On the side screens, I have a slide from last week, if you can see that at the bottom. Who is like you, O Lord? Uh, really, that's the question we're asking. You know, who, who, who are you, Lord? And top, I love the answer coming out of Scripture. Behold your God. That's what we want to do. We want to go to God's Word and just behold who He is. And I don't know if you can see it or not up there. Tozer's, A.W. Tozer's, a quote. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about that. What comes into your mind as to what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Frankly, your career's not. Your grades in school aren't. Except for if you're in school, then they're important. <laughs> All the parents are like, don't say that, man, don't say that. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm talking about. And so we are in this series right now of who is our God uh, this week, uh, I received just a, a cool email from someone from our church, and he had just was sharing, man, just how he's thinking about who God is and some of the thoughts that came to mind. And one of the verses he just noted to me, I thought, man, that's, that's spot on, Dale. Let, let, me, let me share that. Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man, let not the wise woman boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his, boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, uh, boast in this, that he, that she, understands and knows me that I am the Lord who. And it's interesting, Jeremiah in the text, he goes on actually to tell some things of who the Lord is, but I stopped it right there because that's what we're doing together. And uh, that, that's where we're headed in this series. Love that. Uh, if we're going to boast in something, let's boast in the fact that we know increasingly so who the Lord is. Because I'm just going to tell you today in what we're going to be studying, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, yeah, I think I've heard of that. It's one of those omni, and it probably starts with a P because all those omnis kind of seem to start with a P. Oh, yeah, omnipresence. It's one of those things where you can fill in the blank, but we're not about filling in the blank kind of people. We're about increasingly knowing and understanding the Lord, and that's the thing that we want to boast in. That we're a kind of people that are leaning into the Lord with that. On the center screen, I have a picture I took um, just a little over a year ago in a morning. This is actually on a sunrise, not a sunset, and it was uh, obviously just crazy beautiful, and I'm sitting out there taking this picture, and if I could, I'd like to use this picture to kind of illustrate some of kind of how for us to think through what we're doing right now in this series. Um, I'd like for us just to maybe consider, imagine that the ocean is who God is. It just is expansive. It just is almost never-ending to us in our finiteness and in the ocean. And, and kind of each Sunday what we're doing is we're going, we're sitting over on a rock or a log that was off to the left, or I was kind of sitting on this stone wall right over here, and uh, we're kind of like uh, grabbing into the, the waters of who God is, and we're pulling out this handful of a part of all of that ocean of who God is. And, and we're just spending a Sunday just taking that in, that part of the whole. And know this, that, that it's not like uh, God is made up of compartments. God is not a shelf with a whole bunch of boxes and each week we're sliding one box out and then we put it back. It's a hole and, and so we're grabbing something and we're taking a look at it and then at the end we're really putting that back and it's just part of who God is. It is through and throughout who God is. That's why last Sunday I talked about, I really don't want to call this a series about the attributes of God because we have this way of thinking of compartmentalizing attributes and then they're off and on. But this is who God is 
as we're in this. And uh, in this series, we're diving into who God is. And so today, it's our God is all present. Our God is all present. Already alluded to the fact that you probably or you may have some idea that that's what the Bible teaches that God is omni, that God is all present. Um, There's so many ways I could go with today and next Sunday, and then how we could go with the third Sunday. And uh, I've really decided here today that as opposed to kind of uh, getting this and blocking this all out and, and having all these aspects related to God's presence is all presence, I just want us to lean into it. Um, I could say it this way. I think we know that God is all present, but I don't think we really know that God is all present. And I'm talking about myself. I know that God is all present in the scriptures, as we'll see in just a second. But the way I think, probably the way you do too, and the way we live, I'm not so convinced that we really do believe that God is all present. So I just want to lean into that and maybe today be the kind of thing, let's just go deeper into the presence of the Lord and take it in. Presence, there's three elements I would suggest to presence three elements to it. The first is presence assumes being. Presence assumes being. In other words, without some manner of being, there can be no presence. All right? Without some manner of being, there can be no presence. That's why last Sunday, when we began with uh, God is uh, self-existent, self-sufficient, uh, if God did not exist in the beginning, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God God was, God self-existed, and if God has not existed, then there can be no presence if there is no being, but God is alive, God is real, and therefore uh, there is being. Presence assumes being. Secondly, presence implies proximity. Uh, Presence contains some form of vicinity. It contains some form of location or presence, if I could say it this way, it is the where question. Okay, you have being, where are you? Where is your proximity at? And the act of God's self-existence, and I think here's one of the most amazing things out of today coming from this, the fact that God self-existed and in this, and God created everything, including us, in this, God has self-determined his presence as well, his proximity as well. And he could be a deadbeat God, as we'll allude to here in a little bit. He could be uh, present but absent. He could be uh, not present and far away, but the fact that God is all present is an amazing, amazing reality because he self-existed, could have done it any way that he wanted, and yet God in his amazingness decided to be all present among us. Super cool proximity. It's the where question. And third, presence includes bearing. In other words, Presence, what kind of bearing does that presence have? What's the influence of that? What is the relation of that? What's the relevance of that? One could be present, but have no bearing. God is not a deadbeat God, in other words. It's the how. How, then, is he present? If he is indeed present, where is he present, and how is he present? That's really where we're going to today. 
before we dive into that, since we're talking about presence, let me just kind of take a moment and ask the question of us, where are you right now? Even that has both location. Uh, you're here. There's a unique place here. This is something, seriously, this is something you can't get online. This is something, just being together with God's people, shoulder to shoulder, people around you, interacting with people, this is the kind of thing to where it is important, it matters, it's here we are together, learning together, singing together, raising uh, hands to the Lord together, serving together, this is unique, and this is really crazy, unique place that we get to gather together, it has an important proximity, but also in that, I just go, how, how are you here? I know there's a lot of things in life. We've got a lot of things going on presently in our life right now, even outside of church and ministry stuff going on right now, and then sometimes it's like, I'm here, but I'm not. No, let's be here. Let's be here, right? So God, I pray, would you help us to be here? Life is heavy, we have loads, people are going through things, some of which I know, some of which I do not know. And I would just ask that we would be here in your presence and that you would just envelop us with you. So Lord, we sit here at your feet. What a joy it is. Show us more of who you are in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, if you can see in your sermon notes page, Present where? Let's start with present where. I want to dive into God's word on this and uh, turn to Psalm 11. Turn to Psalm 11. If you have your Bibles or grab one of the Bibles there, turn to Psalm 11. Uh, I'm going to be going to a number of passages today. We're going to kind of build this, put this together, both where is God present and how is God present. We're big about the Bible around here, so let's see what God's word has to say. It's not what I have to say, but what God's word has to say. And here's what I'm going to do, if, particularly if you're newer to the Bible. I'm just going to stay right in the center. Psalms is just left the center. That's not a political term. That's location in your Bible. Um, you know, just, uh, so it's just left of center there. And we're going to stay really in Psalms, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. So it's going to kind of be easy for you. If you don't know the Bible very well, that's great. You're, you're going to be right at home. Uh, we'll, we'll be in the center. Psalm 11, 4. Let's pull some pieces together out of God's word. Uh, verse 4, Psalm 11. The Lord, uh, see that in all capitals, it's Yahweh. Uh, Yahweh is the personal God, if you will. The Lord is in his holy temple. Where is he? He's in his holy temple. The Lord's throne, uh, where he is, is in heaven. And his eyes, included with this, his eyes test the sea, and his eyelids test the children of man. What we can grab out of this is we're just grabbing some text here. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on the throne, the only throne in the temple in heaven. So that's the location where he's at. And then he looks down and sees, let's keep building, let's keep building. Psalm 113. Turn to Psalm 113. Verse 4 through 6. Again, we're building this. Psalm 113, verses 4 through 6, says, uh, The Lord is high above all nations. <laughs> By the way, in the mess of the world going on, it's cool that someone's over it. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Isn't that interesting? His glory is above the heavens. Uh, is that heaven, heaven, or is that the heavens of which we have out there, I think it's referring to the latter, the heavens. It's just trying to give us this human imagery of he's high above all the nations. His glory is above the heavens. If you think the heavens are glorious, he's above that. He tops that one out. Verse 5, who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks, down far, who looks far down on the heavens 
on the earth. So we're getting this idea that, if you will, quote, God is sitting on the throne in heaven, high above in all his grand glory, and he's looking down. We're getting that. So is God, is that the only place we're building? We're building. Turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Verses uh, 7 through 10. It begins with where. That's where we're at. Where is God present? We've already seen some of what Scripture says. Here we go building it out, Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, we've already seen you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, um, I'll just say it bluntly, which is basically hell, you are there. Stop. So, Doug, is the scripture saying that God's presence is in hell? Well, uh, yeah. Today, I can't get into all the details of this aspect, of the full class on the presence of God, if you will. Um, But God's presence is full, and it is everywhere, including even his wrath in hell. Um, I'm just going to leave it there and you think on it. Okay? My whole goal today is to get your week started thinking about this presence, so I'm not going to answer every question that can come up out of a text. But that one's crazy. God is present in hell. Here we go. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea... Back in that day, you need to understand the uttermost parts of the sea were like the places no one ever went. The sea in the scriptures in the Old Testament is so often used as turmoil. The sea was a place where man at this period of time would get out on the sea in the ocean, but, but the uttermost parts of the sea were basically places they had never been, had, had never been at. And, and here in it, we have this thing that uh, he is all over the earth. In other words, verse 10, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. That's really cool, isn't it? We're building this out. Turn to Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57, verse 15. Know this, we're not talking about God is made of pieces and God puts a part of him there, like a puzzle, and a part of him there, and then there's a part of him there, and a part of him, and just a small component. And then when you pull them all together, it kind of forms this picture of God. His presence is, 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 is who God is. And he is present everywhere. Isaiah 57, verse 15. I love this one. This is a mind bender. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity. Um, Also got an email uh, this week or last week from a gal who uh, was mentioning just a while ago and as we're getting into this series and she was mentioning how a while ago she remembers when she was told about how God created time. We're going to be having a Sunday where we talk about God is creator. And this is one of the elements of it. Um, Oftentimes I don't think we understand that God created time. You see, if you will, before Genesis 1 there was no time. It's called eternity, and eternity really isn't time. Time came into the picture in Genesis 1 when God created things. God created time. 
and God inhabits time. We have such little minds. We can't even grasp a hold of that. God inhabits time. He inhabits eternity. In eternity past, eternity present, eternity future. Go on. Whose name is holy. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him, with her, who is of contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly. Not only do we have this idea that God is inhabiting the heavens, uh, but God is also uh, inhabiting earth, and even we, are, we have this sense that God inhabits those who here in the text is saying, who, who have a contrite, lowly spirit, who, who are pressing into him. Let's work that on out. Isaiah 66, turn to the right. Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2. Again, we're building this out. Uh, verse 1, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Again, using human terminology to try and help us understand who God is. Uh, know this, it's not that heaven gets the best part of God and earth gets the stinky feet of God. Uh, that's not the idea here that's going on. God is basically saying, I inhabit the whole thing. Uh, it is all, I am involved in all of it. Uh, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you should build for me and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. He is present and we're even beginning to see this, how we relate to the presence of God. Jeremiah 1 Jeremiah 1, a page or two over. Jeremiah 1, verses 6 through 8. Love this. Verse 6. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all, for to, all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Verse 8, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. We're building this out. We're getting a picture. God is enthroned in heaven, and yet God's is, presence is on earth, and yet God, even his presence, has to do with a with, has to be with a with people we build that out, Matthew 20, 19, and 20, the Great Commission. And Jesus said, and I am with you always to the end of the age. Acts 2, 4, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There is something of God's presence filling and always with. Acts 17, 27, and 28. He's actually not far from each of us, uh, for in him we live and move and have our being. Turn to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Love hearing the pages turn, by the way. Jeremiah 23, verse 23 and 24. Am I a, a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? He, he's asking a question, and the answer is, that's who you are. Know this, uh, God is such that uh, uh, we all have different lengths of arms, okay? But none of us have arms that are super long. Uh, and the point of the text is, is God is within reach. That's the idea. 
God is not in the heavens, far away. And by the way, how totally unlike was that theology in that day when people thought that there were gods who lived far off and could never be grasped a hold of. And yet here we are getting this idea that God, the one on the throne in heaven, is also the God who is present here. And not only that, is present with his people. And in that, he can be grabbed a hold of. Verse 24, can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth? God is all present. Ephesians 4, 6, there's one God who is over all, through all, and in all. You knew the answer to that, most likely. So where is God present? Um, Everywhere. But do we really grab a hold of that and believe that? Our eternal, triune, self-existent, self-sufficient God inhabits heaven and its only throne, inhabits Sheol, inhabits the uttermost parts of the earth, all of it, inhabits his people, inhabits eternity of time. God is present in, on, over, through, all present. And friends, that means that God is present here. There is no proximity. There is no vicinity. There is no location where our God is not present. There is no home, no room, no closet, no kitchen, no basement, no attic, no porch, no backyard, no front yard, no playground. There is no garage, no neighborhood, no no automobile, bus, train, airplane, boat. There is no grocery store. There is no department store. There is no restaurant. There is no bar. There is no business. There is no office. There is no laptop. There is no meeting. There is no school. There is no school room. There is no college. There is no book. There is no test. There is no party. There is no event. There is no trade show. There is no theater, there is no date. There is no word, there is no argument, there is no thought, there is no intention where God is not present. There is no mountain peak, there is no valley, there is no beach, there is no plain, there is no desert, there is no lake, there is no river, there is no ocean, there is no country, there is no continent. There is no rocket, there is no atmosphere, there is no planet, there is no moon, there is no sun, there is no star, there is no asteroid, there is no galaxy, there is no universe that God is not present. There is no past, there is no present, there is no future, there is no moment in time, there is no nanosecond where God has not been present. And here's where our minds go, here's where our minds go. And and it's totally understandable, because I'm with you on it, your minds go, yeah, but then why didn't he act there? 
You know what I'm talking about? Let me answer it with this. That's another handful. We're going to get there. But what I've observed in me and, and others is over the years is that we have a tendency to, to see something that is amazing and move on into all the tributaries of it. And to actually not sit in the thing that is most amazing. So I'm not going to go into the tributaries today. I'm just going to stay on the fact that God is all present everywhere and we'll be grabbing some of those handfuls a little later in the series. Keep in mind John 4. God is spirit. He is unlike us. He is distinct from us. And friends, that's why we have a hard time thinking that God can be our God, our triune, self-existent, eternal God can be all places, all times. That means he's more marvelous than you and me. Right? So maybe that'll humble us down when we want to charge God and go, yeah, but he is all present. Present where? Everywhere. Present how? God could be present but distant. That would be deism. God got all things started and then kind of just left it. Kind of like FaceTime God. He's out there and every so often he gives a call. It's not that. Could be God is present but absent. In other words, God could be a deadbeat God. He's not that. It could be God is present just by being in every form of reality around us in the trees and the water. No, it's not pantheism. Let's pick up where he left off, Jeremiah 23, again at verse 23. Present how? Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? How is God present? God is not just present and unaccessible, but God is at hand and not far away. Uh, Turn to the right to Jeremiah, um, uh, where am I at? Uh, 29, Jeremiah 29, verse 12 and 13. And then we'll head back to the Psalms. Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 12 and 13. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's interesting. God is looking for people. He's talking about he's present, he is with, he's at hand, and yet in it, not looking like for this thing like God is just some a divine uh, slam down power energy drink. Like, I just need God right now. Okay, now I can accomplish what I want to accomplish. God's saying, no, you don't understand. I'm not into that. That's not who I am. I want for you to, those who seek me with all their hearts, I want for you to know this. When you call upon me, I hear. Again, we go, then why didn't you do anything there? That's another handful, we'll get there. But know this. He hears. He hears. Turn to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41 to the left. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Isaiah 
fear not, for I am with you, he's saying to God's people here. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How is God present? God is present like that. God is present in such a way that I am with you. I am your God. I will help you. If you know Christ is your Savior, this is talking to you. And I will uphold you. Let's go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Two more passages. Psalm 139. Starting in verse 1. O Lord... You have searched me and known me. I just want to pause on that for a couple seconds here. Because have you ever felt like nobody knows me? Nobody really understands me? Yeah, in the same camp. I I grew up where I was like the youngest of three brothers and I kind of had love engineers. I did a lot of engineering in my prior career, but... Uh, my, my dad and my two older brothers were pretty much engineer types, and, and I'm the guy that has friends at school and going out with people. I even had a girlfriend, and I was the youngest one, and, and uh, kind of rocked the boat with all that. And uh, I just remember kind of growing up a lot where it's like, does anybody get me? Because I'm not like you guys. You know, it's even that way in ministry nowadays. Where it's kind of like as the church has just grown larger, where it's just like, man, you just get kind of thrown into this lump of what people expect of a quote senior pastor. And it's just like, I've been to all these pastor meetings. Man, I'm telling you, senior pastors drive me crazy. It's like they're all type A. It's like, would you just shut up and just calm down? And can we like just talk rather than it's like, everything's a competition. I'm just not like that. I'm just not like the kind of guy who's yearning to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I, don't know, I, just, I just want to influence a few people for Christ. That's really it. You too? Maybe times where you're like, people just don't know me. They think they do, but they know this. The Lord knows you. I mean, he knows you. Psalm 139 is all about how he created us, and it starts out, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit, you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. That's concerning. (laughs) You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand on me. Not to slap me, not to smack me, but you lay your hand on me because you love me. Verse 6, such knowledge is just too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. This is really kind of the text that I thought, you know what, I just don't want to go into all the aspects of presence and start getting it all out, engineering it all out, and telling you what to do and how to go. I just want us to say, this is way bigger than us. We just need to lean into and just try and grab a hold of the Lord. Help me understand more of what your presence really means. 
And then lastly, turn to Psalm 121. One twenty-one verses one through four. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Why? Because He is present, and He is present with. He made the heaven and the earth. Verse three. He will not let your foot be moved. He will keep you. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Know this, you and I get tired. You and I tap out. Every so often you're like, gotta tap out. God just gotta tap out. I'm like done right now. God never has to tap out. Never. He's never asleep. He's never, but it sure feels like it sometimes. I know I get it. I totally get it. It's another handful. But our God is present in a never-napping way. Our God is at hand. He's not far away. He hears us. He's with us. He's helping. He's upholding us. He's keeping watch on us. He's searching us. He's discerning us. He's acquainted with us. He's encircling us. In other words, he goes before and after us. And he does so in a never-napping kind of manner. And by the way, we could add where this rest of this series is going. He is with us with all power, with all knowledge. He is with us in absolute holiness. He is with us as the immutable creator, covenant maker, sovereign God, who is faithful, long-suffering, just, loving, merciful, gracious, jealous, good, and radiant. He is all present. And as we kind of wrap it, and all of that matters. All of that matters. The reason I started last Sunday with self-existent and self-sufficient is because if God is not self-existent, self-sufficient, he cannot be present in the way that he is present as scripture teaches us about. It builds off. And then the reason I'm doing the presence right now is because now we know, as we have this understanding, and I pray as we lean in this week and consider more of this, uh, of his presence, that now we can begin talking about, okay, he's present, he is self-existent, self-sufficient, he is present. Now, how, how is he present? I want to know him more. And that's where we're headed to in the series. And I think one of the things for us to remember is this, kind of if I can say it almost this way, newsflash. We inhabit God's place in space. God is not inhabiting our place in space. Genesis 1, God creates everything, then mankind comes on the scene. God had already created, it was all his. The earth, moon, the sun, the stars, the universe, the galaxies. God created a God-sized universe and then he placed us by his divine creation in his space, in his place. We have it upside down. We think this is our place and this is our space and isn't it cool that God happens to like put his feet in our place? That is wrong. This is God's place and God's space and he inhabits it. He inhabit, you know, and created us and he has put us here. We are in 
his place. So why does the fact that God is all present blow our minds? Uh, Answer, because we have it upside down. And by the way, we do life upside down. Because we think this is our life, in our way, in our space, in our place. And God's like, "Um, tap, tap, tap. Let me just inform you. I created you. You're in my space, my place. And by the way, I am here. And that should change everything for you and me. So, two responses. I have to give something, I think, something functionally practical. Two postures, I would suggest, as you leave today. One is the posture face down. Face down. The posture of Hebrews 4.13, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to his eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And that's one of those things where you just go face down, oh my. And there's a big part of that where you just go, I'm in trouble. Hey, we can fool each other. But before the Lord, because of his presence, all naked. That's a bad thought. All naked. But that's a bad thought. But that's real. God knows everything, friends. And that even makes looking back at this last week kind of like, oh, serious? You saw that? Yeah. And that? Yeah. And there's a thing in us that it should cause us just to go face down and go, oh, my And maybe even out of that, as we close today, during your day today, today might just be a good day to go face down and repent and confess before the Lord. It's not earning salvation, but it's one of these things where if you know Christ as your Savior, if you've driven the stake in the ground and received Christ as your Savior, know this. His presence means that when you and I go and say, Lord, I uh, lost it there. Lord, I had a bad attitude there. Lord, I was looking at stuff and engaged in stuff I shouldn't have been involved there. He's not going to be like, say what? Like, what? You did what? That's not going to happen. So no, this, the Lord is, I know. I was there. Oh, Lord, did you forgive me? If you know Christ is your Savior, he's like, forgiven. Let's go on. His presence drives us face down in confession and repentance and humility. Secondly, I think there's a posture coming out of that that just goes hands up. Hands up. God is present, friends. And when you listen to the news, when you hear what's going on in our world today, it's like there's times where it's like we're just so blown away by it all. And yet there's a part of it, hands up, he's got it. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like, I know, handful's coming. But he's got it. He is present. He's got it. Oh God, I'm so grateful that you've got it. I want to draw close to you, Lord. Lord, I want to lean into you. I'm tired of me. I want to lean into you. And the Lord's like, I'm just arm's length away. 
Lean in. I will uphold you. I will love you. If you know Christ as your Savior, you have all the hope in the universe. If you don't know Christ, lovingly, you're in trouble. There's never come a time to realize and acknowledge the fact that I'm a sinner standing before an pre- all-present God who sees everything. And it's like this whole idea that, well, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm better than most. Listen, <laughs> he's seen everything. And he knows you've got a- enough gunk. You're doomed. And Jesus said, many has received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God. Lord, I confess with my mouth I am a sinner. That Christ died for me, rose from the dead, and has made his work available to me. And I want to receive that. And I want to lean into you, Lord. I'm tired of this mess. And the Lord's like, you're mine. Sealed, filled, marked, And that's all pretty cool, right? Hands up. If you don't know Christ, talk with someone. If you know Christ is your Savior, this week, let's lean into this. Lean into, Lord, you are present here right now, in my office, in my home. The kids are screaming, and they're driving me nuts. Help me. Lord, I'm wanting to go where I shouldn't go right now, You know my thoughts. You are here. Lord, would you help me? So God, I pray that might we be a people who just lean into you. Not an arrogant people, not a proud people, not a self-sufficient people, but as we talked last Sunday, you created us as a needy people. We are in desperate need of you. And the fact that you are present is the fact that gives us hope. It is in our need that you are not far off. It is actually in our need that you are extremely close. So I pray this week we might lean into you more words such that we might have a response like Job. Or Job... the end of his whole story replies I thought I knew you but now I see you God I pray that that would happen God that your presence might go with us as Moses prayed that your presence would go with us that your presence is what makes us distinct oh God we cannot move ahead without you thank you so much for these people love them dearly what you're doing in our lives. May we encourage each other with the fact of your presence. May we grow in our understanding of it. In Christ's name I pray, amen.